Welcome to lesson three of the Divine Love Essentials course. I'm Bill Fraze, and we'll be discussing pages 12 through 15 of the Divine Love Essentials book. This book can be downloaded from wakeupcallforthesoul.com under the Publications tab. Uh, would you pray with me here? Beloved Heavenly Parent, we thank you for this opportunity to come together either in person or, or those who experience this on the recording, to come to know you better, to come to know our souls better, to understand the truth of your being, your great love for us and for all of our soul siblings. Guide us in our time here together uh, that we all might be uplifted and enlightened uh, with regard to who you truly are, uh, who we are, and who we are to each other. We thank you. Amen. All right. So uh, what I'm going to do is the questions, a lot of the questions had to do with the combination of these two pathways, the natural love path and the divine love path. So I'm going to be answering the questions for the most part after doing a, um, a brief review of the, the two pathways that way. So uh, the first path that's covered in the text is the natural love path. And that is uh, the path basically of purification of a soul uh, seeking to return to its originally created nature, uh, therefore removing all of those things that are not truly a part of itself what people might call sin or error or another word that we'll talk about probably in the next lesson would be uh, soul encrustments, uh, things that, that don't truly belong to the soul, but that uh, kind of, if you think of the soul as like a light bulb and it's kind of been dipped in the mud, you know, and then you turn on the light bulb and you can kind of see light through it, but then there's cracks and the bulb isn't exactly clean. That's a metaphor a lot of times that I'll think about or, or the metaphor of a, of a jewel that's, you know, like a precious gem, like a diamond that uh, gets dirty through uh, maybe being worn on a piece of jewelry in this world or something like that, that uh, needs cleaned in order for it to allow the light to shine brightly through all of its various facets and things. So the natural path, and, and the thing is, one of the things I love about this material is that basically the, the natural path can take a multitude of forms. It can, it can be expressed through all kinds of different uh, religious ideas or philosophies or things like that. It's not constrained uh, by a particular, again, uh, spiritual tradition, religious path, anything along those lines. Uh, but we can see that the different paths or traditions may have certain practices that are meant to help with the cleansing of the soul in its, in its nature. Um, yeah, so I think I'll let that go. There, there'll be more to come when, when I get to the questions and things about that. I mean, one of the key aspects of, of the natural path is that if, if a soul persistently stays upon that path, then eventually that soul reaches its level of perfection. It is a purified soul 
after having let go uh, or expiated or have have these things removed or healed from its soul in such a way that it is pure. Um, that is sort of the end of the road in terms of the soul's progress if it continues to choose to live upon the natural pathway. Uh, and we'll get into this in more detail in, in another section when we talk about the spirit realms in a future lesson, uh, how that kind of manifests itself in terms of the, uh, the spirit realms, the afterlife dimensions, the spheres of spirit life and such. All right, so with regard to the divine love path, um, <clears throat> it is fundamentally different from the natural path, whereas the, the natural path is a path of renunciation. It's letting go, it's purification, cleansing. There's all these different words or metaphors that we can apply to that process. The, the divine love path is, is actually about the acquisition of spiritual power. The, the name that we're giving that in this course is divine love. It's, it's the actual essence, substance, nature of the creator, which the soul can desire, seek through prayer, which we'll talk more specifically about that in a future lesson, where, where this, this energy literally comes into the soul and starts to change the nature of that soul from a natural soul into a divine soul. Uh, and there were some questions on that. I'll, I'll get to those at the end here. So, yeah, and so then the, another major difference, which is in the chart that I shared with all of you here uh, on kind of the differences that was requested, is the ultimate destiny of that soul, whereas the natural soul hits a ceiling where once it's pure, there's it can't get any more pure than purity. The divine soul, the soul that's on that path, it has the potential to experience unending progress in terms of its growth and development in divine love. So that this process of the divine love path literally changes the soul, which it doesn't lose its finite nature, but the path on the divine love path, the soul on the divine love path has the potential to continuously grow and develop by receiving uh, more and more of the essence of divinity, of this divine love, this, this essence of God's soul that flows into that soul. So that's one of the huge differences on this path. And plus it, has, it, it knows things that a natural path soul can't know because of its literal union with God in essence. So uh, to clarify, and this will probably come up again, but the soul doesn't become God but its nature has changed from that of the natural love to the divine love. And that path allows it to experience this unending progress and development and growth in its progressive union uh, with God and with all of those souls who are on the same path because all are experiencing the same essence or power that way. So I'm going to move into the questions now, um, and I got a bunch of wonderful questions from folks, so thanks so much for sending these in. So uh, the first question I have here, can a soul on the natural path change and then follow the divine love path? Can this change even happen after we die? So yes, uh, the path that any soul is on is a, from my perspective, I mean, this isn't exactly accurate or 
true to probably most souls experiences, but a soul could literally in a way kind of change its mind <laughs> at any point um, and, and say, you know what? Um, oh, I've, I've been on the natural path now for, for however long I've discovered the divine love path. It seems that makes more sense to me or that's the path I want to take now. That soul can, can make that choice. It's, it truly is a matter of choice. Uh, one of the challenges right now is, is that there are a lot of souls who don't even know that there's a choice uh, in, in the paths that are available, that there are these two basic options uh, to take. So, and then that choice can be made both in this life while we were we are in our bodies or in the spirit realms. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that the, the nature of the soul itself does not change depending on whether it is in a biological body or whether it is separated from that body and in the realms of spirit. So the choice exists in both of those places and it's a in theory or possibility or hypothetically, it's a choice that a soul can make at any given moment. Uh, so souls are not necessarily stuck uh, that way, although that's it's not even the right word to use for it because it's, it's um, different. So anyways, I think I'll let that one go. Hopefully, as I go through more of these questions, some of that will be uh, hopefully clarified more. Do we all start out on the natural love path? How about people like Hitler? What happens to him or them? Okay, so uh, the way I think of it is, is that there's a third option that I didn't put in the book, uh, <laughs> which that option is basically what I consider to be the path that most people in the world and shoot a lot of folks even in the spirit realms are on where they have little or no knowledge that there is even a spiritual path to be taken. So they're not really on either path because uh, there are so many people who leave the earth without any awareness or interest in taking any spiritual path. Um, lots of people leave this world, leave their biological bodies in relative darkness and, and ignorance of any spiritual path. So I would say most people pretty much start off not really knowing uh, that there is a spiritual path. And again, people can continue that for quite a long time um, in the realms of spirit, depending on the condition of, of their soul and uh, that kind of thing. So these paths require conscious choice uh, ultimately to take. And some, it's hard because we tend to think of the mind as being the driver, uh, the thing that, that drives behavior. But there are souls in this world uh, that have been... Uh, this has been going on for a really long time where a soul can even, it can be on the divine love path and not really have a conscious awareness that it is receiving the essence of God. It just, it's expressing itself and then the mind interprets it, interprets what the soul is doing in whatever ways it chooses to do so, usually based on certain religious ideas that are, you know, to some extent in harmony with the truth and usually to some extent out of harmony with with the truth of what's actually happening with the soul but you know there there comes a point in uh in particularly in the spirit realms where souls have to make a a, a conscious choice they one way or another they they choose um a, a path either either that that path of um renunciation of purification the natural path uh leading to perfection or the soul makes a, a decision to go on the uh the divine path ultimately at some point. And, and I think that there is some variability in terms of different souls awareness of, of the possibilities uh, that way, uh, particularly in 
I'll call it lower realms of, of the spirit world and such. Uh, so, all right, uh, the next question, I don't understand what, quote, a being in possession of the very essence of divinity is. Sounds like it becomes divine or God also. So that's from uh, page 14, paragraph five. Thank you for the reference. So I kind of alluded to this already. The soul that partakes of divine love, it goes through a process of, of what I call transformation, supplantation, rebirth, acquisition, transmutation. Like for me, all of these words apply to the, the process that a soul on the divine love path goes to. It, it goes from literally being changed uh, from a natural being with all of the limitations that go with its created nature into a divine being with what I would call, it's still a finite being. It has limitations, but it's, its potential for continuous development and growth is basically unlimited. So again, never becoming God, but becoming more God-like in terms of its participation in the essence of divinity as it continues to grow and develop uh, over the course of eternity in an immortal and unending way. Um, yeah, so again, uh, the soul and the divine path that never becomes a god or a deity or whatever word you want to use to describe ultimate reality is still finite. But again, I consider it to have this unlimited potential for development, growth, and progress. I think of it, the, the thing that comes up for me is, is an asymptote uh, in mathematics, you know, where where a line, you know, a curve is constantly approaching uh, the, you know, the... Uh, whatever the value is, but it never, never quite get, quite gets there. Um, and that, that's kind of how I uh, tend to think of it if, if mathematical metaphors are helpful to folks. Okay, so question number four, uh, maybe you could put up a chart to compare and contrast the two paths. So um, at first I wasn't going to do that, and then I was like, ah, let me give it a shot. So I did it, and, uh, and again, it may be more or less helpful, but I think um, with some of the conversation I had uh, prior to getting on here, hopefully I can provide a little bit more clarity on some of these things. So I'm actually going to try to go line by line through these difference uh, through these differences between the two paths to hopefully clarify some stuff that I basically put into one sentence explanations. And each of those sentences could probably be a book in and of themselves. So. I'm just going to go for it here. All right, so the first one, natural love path. One becomes aware of one's errors and works consciously through the application of will to remove those things that are out of harmony with the soul's true nature. Divine love path. One is sometimes unaware of one's errors and yet may have them removed and alleviated through the inflowing of divine love into the soul. So this, this was something I felt was important to communicate is that... Um, the will in the natural love path, it it basically needs to be focused on the error. Uh, it needs to be focused on that which is going to help it release that error. The part of the beauty of the divine love path for me is that um, when I, so I'm going to use my own example. I mean, when I first started this path, there were things that I knew needed healed. Uh, I didn't think that there was anything that could do that at the time, but I came across the pageant messages. They gave me hope. I'm like, okay, well, if I pray for this, maybe, maybe those things will be healed. And, and, um, and they were uh, ultimately after, I don't even remember weeks or months of prayer. Eventually I realized that these things that were really troubling me no longer troubled me that I had the memories of past situations that 
uh, were, I'll just say problematic for me. And I could remember them and think about them and they were no longer problematic for me. And then what I've discovered as I've been on this path is that so often I'll, I'll, I'll encounter a situation or something and, and I'll be like, wow, you know, a couple of years ago, that really would have upset me or caused me problems or I would have had issues with that. And it just doesn't. Um, and I, I didn't work through anything. I didn't go through any conscious process that I'm aware of that that thing didn't resonate, resonate with me in such a way as to trigger pain or suffering or anything along those lines. It's just gone. And, and so that's what I've kind of found on the path is that I don't even have to be consciously aware. As long as I'm continuing to pray for divine love, I receive healing for things that I don't even know need healed. So that's part of what I was trying to communicate um, in that in that first statement, which to me is just this truly amazing thing that I don't even have to be aware of all of my screwed upness. That through par- prayer for divine love, that stuff gets healed uh, and transformed, even without my conscious awareness of it. All right. Number two, uh, natural love path eventually achieves the completion of the soul's purification process. So that's what I was talking about before. Once a soul is pure, you can't make pure purer than pure. Uh, one of the metaphors that's, that's used in the pageant messages is uh, no river can rise higher than its source. That, you know, if, if the soul is pure, it's, there's nowhere else to go from there. On the divine love path, it never completes the soul's journey into ever greater one with God, meaning that the, the journey is unending, that the soul's potential to receive more love and to uh, become even further transformed even after its complete transformation um, into a divine being, that the nature of the soul, even though it's finite, continues to be able to have that journey. Okay, the third one on the chart here, of which there are nine, natural love path. The mind may continue to have incorrect thoughts or beliefs despite the purification of the soul. So the best example I can think of for that is that, for example, there are purified souls that still believe in the possibility of reincarnation, which is not true. The thing is, is that that belief doesn't, it doesn't diminish their purification. They're basically open to the possibility of reincarnation, even though they've never really seen it happen, for example. So that's my example of how the mind can hold on to beliefs that are not necessarily damaging or dangerous or violent or, or anything that, that would cause harm uh, that a, a natural, a pure, purely uh, or a purified natural soul can still hold those kinds of ideas. Whereas a soul that's been completely transformed into divinity, it cannot have any erroneous thoughts or beliefs. Everything that flows through the being of the completely transformed soul is going to be truth, love, beauty, goodness, all of those values in their divine manifestations based on the, the development of that particular soul. Um, and maybe this will get a little clear with one of these later items here. So number four on the natural path, the purified soul continues to study. So that's where a lot of purified souls on the natural path, they get their pleasure from constantly learning more, exploring more things, going deeper into subjects. Uh, that kind of thing is really uh, satisfying to souls on the natural love path. So they continue to develop their minds, even though their souls have, have reached the level of, of purity. So they kind of take on knowledge as opposed to love. Whereas on the divine love path, the transformed soul, it simply desires knowledge and receives it without study based on the condition of the soul. So, and it's hard to describe 
I think to a lot of folks who haven't had the experience, but the soul just knows things. And it's, I've heard it described as, you know, sort of plucking fruit off of a tree. The soul is like, Hey, I'd really like to know X. Oh, I know X now. I mean, it's so different than going to the library and looking through books and really running experiments and doing all these different things. Uh, the, the quality, uh, just the quality of the information and knowledge that's available, let alone how it's acquired to me is sort of, it's amazing um, how that works. And, and again, I don't know if that's going to make sense to everyone, but that, that to me is, is something that I find really interesting in the paths and it may not be essential, but again, I'm trying to, put out some differences that might be helpful uh, to folks. Number five, uh, on the natural love path, the soul returns to its originally created condition uh, without the possibility of making further pro spiritual progress. So number five means that if a soul is on the natural love path of purification and it remains on that path, then that's it, it can make intellectual progress, it can gain in knowledge and information, but, but spiritual progress as far as the soul is stopped until or unless that soul says, you know, I want to go the divine love path uh, because maybe they've found out about it or they met someone on that path or whatever happens where they're like, hmm, I think there's something there I want to check out. Uh, so on the divine love path, under number five on the chart, the soul is transformed into a divine being with unlimited potential for further development. So I think we've kind of hit that uh, pretty hard here so far. Number six, on the natural love path, the soul experiences a fundamental separateness from the creator's essence. And that's just part of the path. The soul is pure, but it does not know the reality of God's divine love within its soul because it doesn't have it. It can't. So there's this 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 distinction or this separateness that exists between that soul and and the essence of God because it doesn't participate in it. On the divine love path, uh, the soul experiences conscious un union with the creator and divine love. And, and with that, I'm talking about at either certain points along the path or ultimately as that soul experiences the, the complete transformation of its being from a natural being to a divine being. It experiences this this conscious union with with the creator. The soul knows it is one with God, um, which is a very, it's a fundamentally qualitatively different experience from the purified soul. There's really no comparison between the two things. Okay, number seven on the natural love path. The soul is subject to death, yet may not be aware of its own mortality. I wrote a story about this on my blog a while back. Eventually, I'll be uh, sharing that again on my podcast. But um, that's something that can be very challenging uh, to a lot of folks where we don't, basically the whole fact is nobody knows what happens to a natural path soul over the course of eternity. Uh, it may continue to exist for all eternity. It may not. Basically that's up to the creator as to what makes sense to do uh, because the created soul that is purified all that's really happened to it is, is all the stuff it took on in its life. It's released all of that and it's gone back to its original created status. And the key word there is created. It is still a created soul. Uh, and anything that has a beginning uh, may have an end. So it's sort of, it's logical, even though a lot of people don't tend to think of it that way. People, many people think of the soul as being immortal. It is not immortal by nature. Uh, that which is immortal is that which does not have a beginning. Therefore, it doesn't have an end. So on the divine love 
side of this chart here, the soul is immortal and has conscious awareness of its immortality. And so that's the difference because the soul participates in divine love in the very essence, substance, nature of the creator, which the creator is uncreated by nature, then the soul partakes of that and therefore has not only immortality, but the conscious awareness of it. And so a natural uh, a soul that, again, is on the natural love path has the opportunity at any moment to say, you know what, um, I want more or I want, to, I want to do this other path, which then puts them on, on, on a similar track. And we'll talk more specifically about that in terms of how it works uh, typically in the afterlife dimensions in a later lesson. Uh, number eight, natural love path. It typically takes quite a long time of struggle to purify the soul. And the same on the divine love path, the healing and transmutation of the soul can happen with relative ease and speed. So to me, I mean, there could be all kinds of debate about this. This is Bill's take on it. But I just, I think about all of the the healing uh, that I've experienced in my life so far being on this path the short time that I have been on it less than a quarter century and when I think about what I would have to go through to have consciously like gone through the process of receiving all the healing that I need for all of these things that have already been healed and that are in the process of being healed now I it boggles my mind I just um, I'm so grateful personally for the divine love path because I know I've received all kinds of healing that, that if I had I would have had to work way harder um, in getting a lot of things healed um, than I would have on the divine love path. Um, and I think, I guess, part of my hesitation with this with this item here is just that I think a lot of people engage in the divine love path and it's not fast enough for them. But those people also don't have any... They have no, uh, what I'll call it, a foundation for comparison between what it would take for them to receive and experience healing on the natural love path. So it's all relative. I did my best to, cons to put those in a relative context. That's my take on it, um, and, and it reflects uh, what I consider to be my own experience so far on this, on this path. Um, number nine, the purified soul experiences great happiness. And on the divine love side, the divine soul experiences ever-expanding and never-ending bliss. So there's no words <laughs> to really <laughs> describe the difference between these two things. I mean, we, we can't imagine how happy, purified souls are because none of us are there yet, as far as I know. Uh, so it's a great, wonderful happiness that, that many, many souls experience. Uh, the the divine soul, though, in this constant unending growth and development and potential for expansion and divine love and a literal union with the creator in, in essence uh, is just a completely qualitatively different experience. And so, hence the statement at the bottom of that, of that chart, the two paths lead to qualitatively different experiences and outcomes. So hopefully that helps to provide a little context for that chart that was requested. So thank you for the, the request of the chart. Uh, hopefully it's more helpful than not. Um, all right, so number five. Okay, this, this is where we're gonna go a little deep here. Um, where do these ideas of the two paths come from? Paget's, Paget's writings, Jesus's teachings, if so, where? So um, I will just say that the, the, the clearest 
description of these two different pathways is found in James Paget's automatic writings that he received in uh, the, the early part of the 20th century. And so those writings can be found on new-birth.net um, and they can also be found on divinelove.org and in many other places online if people really want to research uh, to go more into depth on the information that has been received regarding these two different paths. So I'll I'll say that, but I can't help myself because when people ask about Bible stuff, I love the fact that, you know, some of these things are actually in the Bible, but a lot of people don't know them or can't find them. So I'm not, I can't help myself. I'm going to go here and, and try to go a little deeper on where you can find some of these distinctions uh, in terms of the, um, the, the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures and, and the New Testament as well. So in the first lesson, we talked about the prophecy of the new heart, which you can find uh, most clearly in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. So that path, that prophecy uh, points toward the divine love path. It's not the prophecy of the cleaned up old heart. It was about the removal of an old heart of stone and its replacement with a new heart of flesh, a true heart transplant, uh, a spiritual heart transplant. So I'm going to go through some of the scriptures, both um, biblical and uh, actually the first one here is what I would call extra biblical that uh, reflect this teaching. So one of my favorite uh, passages from the Gospel of Thomas, which is extra biblical, is uh, the Gospel of Thomas saying number 22. Um, so I'll just read the key portion of this. When you make eyes in place of an eye, and a hand in place of a hand, and a foot in place of a foot, an image in place of an image, then you shall enter the kingdom. Uh, that to me is, in my mind, a, a teaching of Jesus that did not make its way into the New Testament uh, that I think is really important. Because basically what I hear Jesus saying here, if, if, if this is something he actually taught, uh, is, is this idea of supplantation of the replacement of, you know, it doesn't talk about the heart, unfortunately, but it talks about the replacement of a whole bunch of different important body parts that people use and need in this life. You know, the eyes are changed so that they see differently. The hand changes so it can serve differently. You know, the foot is changed so that the, the soul can go someplace different. Um, you know, the image replaced by an image, the image of the soul literally replaced by the essence. So, you know, I hear in that text, um, in that brief passage from the Gospel of Thomas, talking about this, this transformation of the soul. All right, now to some biblical uh, references. And, and a lot of times these references, it's not clear to get uh, what they're saying if you don't actually understand the divine love path. Mark 2, 22. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Uh, so this... This teaching is kind of out of context, but basically the idea is that the new wine is divine love. It comes into the soul and just it, it, it destroys the old soul. I mean, it is this image of the old soul going, going away and ultimately being replaced by a new soul, a new container that can contain the love of God, uh, one that is changed in its very nature and essence. And what also uh, goes away in that process 
are, you know, you can imagine a wine skin, not that we use those very often anymore, but you imagine a wine skin, it has stains, it's dirty, old, whatever. Uh, so that new wine coming in also causes that, all of those things that the wine skin has accumulated through its time in the world to also be destroyed as well. And then when it's remade, reborn, whatever metaphor we want to use, it's a new wine skin with new wine within it. Um, Again, Jesus is using parables and aphorisms, things of, of a material nature that his listeners could understand and say, oh, okay, so this is kind of like that uh, in a metaphorical, parabolic kind of sense. So another one here uh, I have from Matthew 9, uh, 16. No one, sows, eh, no one sews a patch of unshrunk coal cloth, oh my gosh, on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment and a worse tear will, will result. So the idea is that no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, because if you do, you wash it, you clean it, it's going to rip, it's going to make the whole worse. So the idea again is this, is this idea that the, the divine love is like a patch of unshrunk cloth being applied to a garment, which then as it continues to do its thing, it actually ultimately destroys the garment, which again, we can imagine the garment. It has stains, tears, dirt, whatever. All of that stuff goes and a new garment is created, AKA a soul. It's, it's a stand-in, uh, a symbol for the soul. Um, so those are pretty similar and they're actually connected to each other, um, which makes a lot of sense too, because they're, they're about this process of transformation or transmutation. All right. Moving on to John 3, 3. Um, this is Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. So here we have another image of spiritual transmutation. Uh, Nicodemus would have had no trouble understanding the idea of someone purifying their, their soul of, of, you know, having it cleansed and, you know, moving from sin to purity and that kind of thing. But, but Jesus is trying to teach him here this complete rebirth of a new soul out of an old one. Uh, this is what Nicodemus during that conversation had trouble understanding. It's like, well, how am I going to be born again? Like I'm not going back into my mother's womb. Um, you know, and, and Jesus in this is, is talking about a spiritual rebirth, you know, of the soul that comes from God that is, that is performed through spiritual means, not through material means. Um, so another uh, passage that when I found it, I was really excited by is second Peter one, four, whereby we are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Uh, to me, this was really exciting because it's it's a passage that literally talks about partakers of the divine nature. To me, that is the divine love path. We are partaking of the divine nature. We allow it to come into our souls and we allow it to, to transform us. And it even has this phrase at the end, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. It's one of the differences between natural love and divine love. Natural love, has, be, being natural, not being divine, it has the potential for corruptibility that it can regress. I mean, that's uh, part of the story of humanity, that pure human beings uh, ultimately became and have stayed in a relatively corrupted form throughout the millennia. Whereas uh, the soul that partakes of divine love and ultimately is transformed by it, it 
it escapes that corruption. It, it becomes incorruptible, immortal, uh, things that we typically associate with God. But again, we're talking about the divine nature. So uh, that's that to me is what that scripture is clearly uh, saying. And uh, one of my favorite passages here, which is, it's in the realm, but I can't help myself since we're on the topic here of, of you know, where do you find this stuff in the Bible or anywhere else? Romans 5, 5. This is Paul talking to the church at Rome. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So here to me, I have a clear image that Paul understands the new birth process. He understands the divine love path, uh, that, that it is the, the love of God that comes into the soul uh, through the Holy Spirit, which that's a whole other topic. I didn't include it in this book because I was trying to keep it to the essentials as much as I possibly could. But anyways, uh, the idea that, that the energy is poured into the soul and that it is somehow different than the love that we already have as part of our created natures, um, that to me is clear in that passage. Of course, people could disagree. Um, oh, and I've got a couple, I've got a few more here. All right, I'm going to go. All right. First John 4.16, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So again, we have this idea that God is love. That's God's essential nature. And this is, this provides this image of this love inhabiting the human soul, bringing at one minute in essence, He's talking about the, you know, this love abiding, living within a person, uh, which to me, uh, it screams divine love path to me. Um, John 13, 34 to 35. So this is uh, from John's gospel during the Last Supper. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. To me, when I hear this, I hear the divine love path, that Jesus is talking to his disciples about a love that is different than the love that, that is part of their created nature, that he has loved them with the divine love, and that that love is what will allow what will allow them to love one another, not just amongst themselves, but, but all of what I would call their soul siblings. Um, so to me, you know, this, this is a reflection of Jesus' understanding of the prophecy of the new heart, that it is this love that comes into the heart and soul that changes its nature and changes the possibilities and potentials that are available uh, there. All right, so thank you for indulging me on the uh, biblical and extra-biblical tour of the two paths, uh, particularly, well, my favorite being the divine love path, uh, the one that I'm partial to. All right, so uh, another excellent question I got, could the soul experience a blend of, uh, could the soul experience a blending of both paths in some ways, or are, two thing, are the two things totally different? And if so, uh, like, can you give some examples? All right, so this is, um, okay, so I'm going to do my best to, I've written something out here. I'm going to try to clarify because it, it, it can be confusing because the way I've presented the paths is being sort of mutually exclusive, which is not entirely true. Uh, and hence, this is a, a really excellent question. So if a soul is only following the natural path without ever having received any divine love, then that's the only path that soul knows. Um, okay, so I'll stop there with that.
Now, the thing is, souls on the divine love path, there's all kinds of different levels of awareness that the soul can have. I've kind of alluded to that, where souls can be receiving divine love, but they don't know that that's what they're doing. Um, and so a lot of times, souls on the divine love path will, they kind of have the best of both worlds in a way. They can mix and match. I mean, I even think about my own journey where at certain times I was really attracted to what I would consider to be natural love teachings that for me, they were in harmony with the divine love path. They didn't conflict with it, but they were things that, that I found to be helpful in my own journey and even with me communicating with other people about uh, spiritual things, important things. Uh, so, so basically on the divine love path, you can kind of go, go back and forth, uh, on natural love and divine love and back and forth. Uh, the one thing that I, that I do want to say is that, uh, there are souls that during the course of their life, they receive, I'll call it a smidgen of divine love and they could have, it could be so small that they don't even realize it's there. Uh, their soul could have cried out for it, and their mind is just completely clueless about it. Uh, that's a fairly common occurrence, since most people aren't even aware of these two paths in general. So what happens is that oftentimes those souls will take the natural love path, and, and they could even get to the place of the purification of their soul, and then they come to a place where they're like, they feel like something's missing. They sense that something is off. There's something within them that's like pushing them in different directions, like causing them to feel or think things that, you know, maybe other souls around them are just like, kind of like, I don't know, I'm imagining stuff now. Kind of, What's your problem? Like, you know, we're, we're perfect. We've experienced spiritual perfection and joy, you know, and, and, um, and there are souls that, that will go on that journey where that divine love is almost like a hard to describe a positive irritant that causes the soul eventually to say, you know, I, I need to find out what's going on here. And then eventually as they go on their journey, they discover, oh, okay, there's this other path. Okay. You know, and then they can engage in that process and that path, uh, the divine love path to kind of resolve that conflict or dilemma uh, within themselves that may, they could go a long time without being aware of. So I'm guessing that that was probably both confusing and maybe helpful because uh, the complexities of what we're trying to talk about in terms of spiritual realities are just, you know, and, and so many souls have so many different experiences and the element of time and, and all of these different things kind of going into it. So hopefully that was helpful and maybe we'll have some good conversation uh, after I end the recording here. So these are my closing comments here before we, we go into prayer. Um, the, for me, I'm going to kind of give a list of words that describe the two paths from my perspective um, that may or may not be helpful. So when I think of the natural love path, I consider it a path of renunciation, of saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do the right thing, not the wrong thing. Of refinement, the idea that, you know, uh, precious metals are refined and the impurities are removed from them so that you can experience them in their pure state. Again, purification, uh, even in terms of healing, like I have something that, you know, needs to be removed that is not in harmony with being healthy in a spiritual sense, in a soul sense. I think of the natural love path as one of letting go, letting go of all those things that are not in harmony with the uh, nature of the purified soul. 
And another word I'll use for it is cleansing. That, you know, the garment gets washed, but you, you have the original garment you have. You don't get a new one in the natural love path. On the divine love path, I consider one of the key words for me is, I call it, as opposed to renunciation or letting go, I call it the path of acquisition, whereby actively seeking to bring something new into our souls, the divine love, uh, our souls then experience uh, a word that I also like to use on that path, which is displacement, um, that the natural love and the impurities that are associated with it are displaced by this love, transformed by this love, transmuted. I love transmutation because it's very alchemical and, uh, and it relates to the idea of, of transmuting something of a lesser nature into a higher nature. You know, the key one in alchemy that's mentioned is transmuting lead into gold, for example. To me, that is a metaphor for the spiritual transformation of a natural soul into a divine soul. Another one, which Jesus used with Nicodemus, rebirth, being born again, being born anew, uh, not as a single moment, but as a process that the soul undergoes as it continues to seek transformation in divine love. Another word I like for the divine love path is supplantation. Uh, the, the idea that, that of, again, this idea of replacement of the natural essence of the soul with the divine essence of the creator's soul. All right, so, whew. Let's pray. Hmm. Beloved Creator, help us to take our questions, our concerns, our fears, everything directly to you, that we may receive whatever we need, trusting you to give our souls whatever is needed for for their purification or their transformation in your love, that you are always willing and able to help when we open our souls to all of the blessings that you have to give. We thank you for the gift of our lives, the opportunity to share with one another, to be with you in your presence. Thank you. Amen. So, uh, in signing off, I'd just like to say the one who made you accepts you absolutely and loves you unconditionally. And so it is. Amen.